Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Hello, my friends. I am really, really excited for today's podcast episode. It is a little different than what I've been doing lately, which is a whole lot of fantastic interviews. So many great topics have been covered. And also, I have more episodes actually recorded and ready to come out to you with uh, experts about all things related to wrapping up endometriosis awareness month, to hormonal health, sleep hacks, everything. But I had to take a pause in the in the lineup to get back to something really, really fundamental to what I wanted this podcast to be in the first place, which was a way to get to know you better and a way for you to get to know me better. Because I was realizing recently on a walk, um, this is where I get all of my best ideas, by the way. All of my inspiration always comes through when I'm moving my body. But I was on a walk and I had this hit of inspiration and I got out my little voice note recorder because it was like, I felt like I was thinking something that I needed to say to to people, to you, you know, to my to my audience and my friends and the people who are following my work. And it was really that... I feel like I've sort of gotten into this almost a rut of just sort of dispensing information. I don't just want to dispense information. I actually want something deeper than that. And I actually have a message that's ultimately deeper than that as well. So let me play what I recorded on my walk. And then, so excuse the kind of crappy audio. I was on a walk and it was sort of windy and I was out of breath. (laughs) So I'm going to play that. And then I'm going to answer questions, random questions, kind of rapid fire style. It'll just be fun to listen to. And I'll explain how you can apply this to you as well. So, I mean, it's always fun just to listen to the lives of other people, like to listen to, I love listening to uh, podcasts of my favorite podcasters when they share personal stories and personal information about themselves. I love that. But I also know that it's really nice to be able to apply things, you know, to you as well. I don't just want to be all like vain and weird and egotistical doing a podcast about me. I want you to get something out of it as well besides just learning more about me. But I want you to be able to apply it to your own life as well. So I'm going to tell you how you can apply what I'm doing with this podcast to you and your pelvic floor issues even, right? This is gonna be mind-blowing. Okay, let me first start off by playing what I recorded on my walk when I got a hit that I need to be doing more than just interviews and dispensing information. I'm actually not a dispensary for free information. I actually want to develop a relationship with you. You, the woman who has pelvic floor issues like I do. You who has hopes and dreams and a life beyond her pelvic floor. Who knows that there's more to life than that? But it does impact everything. Of course it does. It's your root. Of course it impacts everything. But what else do you want? What are you missing? What are you wanting to go back to? What are you, what are you worried about? What, 
what more in life do you want to talk about? What more in life do you want to see? What more in life are you? Who are you? Who are you beyond your pelvic floor? Who are you beyond these health issues? Who are you beyond? What else is there? What else do you want to talk about? What else is there? How can I help you, the woman with the pelvic floor issues, be a woman who doesn't think about her pelvic floor issues? That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to get to. I want to go beyond. Okay, so I just want to restate the last thing that I said in that little, uh, again, crappy audio. Sorry for the sound quality there. The last thing I said there was how can I help you, the woman with pelvic floor issues, be the woman who doesn't think about her pelvic floor issues. So here, here's what I mean here. I'm not trying to minimize pelvic floor challenges, prolapse, bladder leakage, pelvic pain, pelvic tension, all of these things. I've experienced all of them in different points of my life, and I know how they can take over your life and take over your mind. But that's exactly my point right now, is the thing is we are so much more than our pelvic floor issues. There's so much more to us than just that. It's a part of us, but it doesn't define us. Our pelvic health challenges do not define who we are. There's more. There's so much more to think about, talk about, and have fun with than just thinking about our pelvic floor, even though sometimes it can take over our minds and our lives. And it's actually one reason I created my new course, Elevate, which is all about meditation to help improve that mind-body connection, to relax your nervous system, to help you realize that you can actually go beyond that perseveration and deep focus on the pelvic floor. You can actually lighten up, essentially, and, and remember. Remember the you beyond your pelvic floor. So it's a real passion of mine that I'm starting to want to develop more and more with the work that I do. But I thought it would be fun to begin this by this fun little rapid fire Q&A. So what I'm going to do is read off in no particular order some of the questions that I received from the the question that I posed on Instagram, which was, what do you want to know about me? Uh, So I got several fun responses, and I'm going to go ahead and read them off in no particular order right now. And while I'm doing this, I would love for you to think about you. Think about the you beyond your pelvic floor issues and some of the answers that you might say to these very same questions. Okay, so let's begin with Illurin from Instagram says, what countries have you visited and what do you want to visit? So this is such a fun question and I'm actually not going to list off all the countries I visited because I have been blessed to visit many, 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 many countries. So I have not yet been to Australia or New Zealand. I really would love to get to that part of the world. And I also would love to get to my homeland, which is my fatherland, I guess, if you will, which would be Scandinavia. I really would love to visit uh, Norway. A big piece of my my history, family history, is Norwegian, and I would love to see that part of the world. I've been to Sweden once, but it was a pretty quick trip, and I didn't see a whole lot. So I would I would really love to see Scandinavia, but I have to be honest. I'm always attracted to go to warm places, and tropical places are always sounding a little bit more uh, enticing than anywhere colder than where I currently live. And so <laughs> that's what's kept me away from Scandinavia for so long. Is it just seems really cold. But I know there's so much beauty there, and I feel that 
I feel that I'm going to feel that sense of rootedness and home as soon as I step into, you know, onto the lands of Norway, just because I felt that when I stepped into Sweden. I felt like, whoa, this is my roots. Like, this is my home. It felt like this strange, visceral sense of home. And I'm only a little bit Swedish. I'm mostly Norwegian. So I really want to go to Norway. So the next question is from Don McGuire O'Malley, and she says, what brought you to yoga? What's your favorite skincare, and will you stay in Germany? And this is really fun. I actually had quite a few questions about why why I'm even in Germany, so I'll guess, I'll guess I'll answer that one first. So I am in Germany because of my husband's job. It brought us over here, and it was a very quick decision. It was a very adventurous decision. We had a home in Oregon, which is where I'm from, Oregon in the United States. And um, we had a home and we had roots and we ha- I had a career. And we ended up packing everything up and moving on like within a month. We had everything completely changed, completely different. I had no job anymore. Um, my husband had a new job. We had no home anymore. It was just wild. And to be perfectly honest with you, you know, it's it still feels temporary. Even though we've been here for quite a long time, it doesn't feel like home. I do love I love Germany, but it's not home. America is home and we're going to be going home as soon as as we can because that is my goal and my dream is to move back to uh, a place that's closer to my family. So, what brought me to yoga? That is a great question. I've been doing yoga since I was 16. I went to the mall in Portland, Oregon and was walking in the mall (laughs) as high schoolers do. I don't know. I, I actually think I was alone for some reason. Usually I was with my friends, but I feel like I was alone. And I went to a bookstore, one of those stores way back when that had books and, um, tapes like VHS tapes. And they might have had DVDs, I can't remember, but all I know is I got a VHS tape of yoga. Yoga with Linda Arkin is what it was called. And I still remember it. And I remember, I don't even know what spurred me to buy it except for the fact that it was on super sale. Like it had a big orange sticker on it that was like, I don't know, $1.99 or something like that. So I bought it. And I remember playing it in the VHS player in my parents' or my, I guess, you know, family room. And just sort of, I don't know, I didn't really think anything of it. Like it didn't really feel like it was weird, but it also didn't really inspire me that greatly. Like I just thought it was nice stretches. I remember fish pose specifically that she did fish pose. And it was, I remember thinking of um, how, how, kind of weird it felt it was a weird thing to be doing fish pose is one where you're on your back and you're kind of like arching your your chest up toward the ceiling and draping your head back and it's kind of cool because now i look at it and i say oh i'm seeing the world from a new perspective this like upside down perspective but as a high school girl i was just like oh this is kind of a weird stretchy thing so i did that for a while and then i ended up getting a couple more yoga VHS tapes. I got one with Ali McGraw and I got another one AMPM yoga with Rodney Yee. So I had this little collection to choose from and I would I would play the tapes every once in a while and just sort of had fun with them, but nothing more than that. It wasn't until I turned uh, 20 or so that I ended up switching schools. So I started my undergraduate college career in one school. Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, 
And I ended up switching uh, programs after my freshman year. So halfway through my sophomore year, I switched to a new campus. I decided to go to the Portland campus of that same school and go to nursing school. I wanted to become a nurse. And so I switched campuses. I switched programs. I had no friends in this new place. And I was living in the, in the city, really. It was right by one of the big hospitals in Portland, Oregon. And I was in the city and I didn't know anyone. And I thought, you know, there's a yoga class nearby my, my dorm that I was staying in. And I thought, I'm going to check this out. And it's free for students. So why not? I'll go to yoga. And I ended up meeting a really lovely community of mostly older people. They were mostly retirees. And I've always been very comfortable with older people. Probably more comfortable with um, people older than me. Well, now that I am an older person. (laughs) Now that I'm 40, I am one of those people I'm comfortable with. But when I was 20, I was very comfortable with 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, etc. And... um, so I really enjoyed this this yoga class with mostly older people, and that is when I really began more deeply going into meditation. I ended up going to an art of living workshop in uh, the the area, and really just diving deep into this world of personal development, self help, etc. So I was still a totally regular college student eating top ramen and you know bagels and french fries and whatever like it's not just about the food but i was a totally normal girl doing all the things college girls do but i had this other side of me that was really into yoga and really felt like i'd found some community so it wasn't just about the stretching um that was a part of it i liked the way the stretches felt but it was really about the community and the way it made me feel especially when i got into meditation because that was also right around the time when i started developing really major anxiety and depression issues which as it turned out was a result of um as it turns out, I have the genes for celiac disease and all of, all of the genes that I have must have gotten activated. So if you're familiar with epigenetics, where it's the way our genes work, where essentially you can have certain things happen in your life that can cause certain your genes to turn on and activate. And my theory and kind of what I've talked about with uh, healthcare providers and my family, et cetera, is that I did have a very, very dramatic event in my life that caused a lot of stress and it involved an abusive relationship. And this is likely the thing that caused me to go from just having stomach troubles my entire life, because I had terrible stomach troubles my whole life, but from that to major, major depression and anxiety right around age 20, 21. And as that happened, my stomach issues got worse. The anxiety and depression got really, really bad. I ended up having to uh, get therapy for that. What, what, What I've come to realize now is that It's likely because of my dietary, which was full of gluten and dairy and soy. That's all I ate because I was a vegetarian at the time who ate cheese and soy products and bread, essentially. I was eating all the wrong things for my body. And it was just making my brain fog terrible. It was making my emotions terrible because we know now that that the gut-brain axis is hugely important to our emotional health. If your gut is inflamed, it's going to make your brain inflamed and your neurotransmitters are not going to be right if your gut is off. And that was me. And it was a really rough time of my life. And yoga was one thing that saved me. Uh, Movement was another thing that saved me. Walking, running. I was really into running. 
that's a long-winded way of saying what brought me to yoga. (laughs) I guess I'll leave it at that. But it stayed with me ever since as a guiding light and just one of the most important parts of my life. Yeah, I could go on forever about that, but I'll stop now. What's my favorite skincare is another question. And that's a great question because I actually don't, I use, I use homemade essential oil blends. So I love making potions. That's one thing about me. Ever since I was a little girl, I've loved making magic potions, gathering flowers together, smashing them together, and you know, even sometimes putting some bugs in there and making these magic potions. I did that when I was little. And now as an adult, I love making my own blends of essential oils and carrier oils and that kind of thing. So I make my own kind of facial serum that I use on my skin, but I do have some products from Beauty Counter. I love their overnight resurfacing peel, I think it's called. That is awesome. Um, I'm, I'm not a Beauty Counter rep, but there are so many amazing Beauty Counter reps out there. I highly recommend the overnight resurfacing product. And then I also use doTERRA's uh, anti-aging eye cream. I really like that around my eyes because I'm definitely seeing the fine lines, which is fine. I like them. They're laugh lines, but you know, I like to, I'm a, I'm a girl. I like to take care of my, my eye wrinkles as much as I can. I just like to love them. So I use that eye cream and then I use my homemade oil blend on the rest of my skin. And I don't wear makeup other than eyebrows. If you've ever seen me without my eyebrows on, I have no eyebrows. So sometimes I go a little heavy handed with the eyebrows, you know? It's all depending on how I feel, but I wear eyebrows uh, and I wear mascara, but other than that, I don't wear face uh, makeup like foundation, and honestly, my skin is so much better for it, and I know that's not everybody's story. Some people have not had that experience, but I also know that other people who've thought that they had to wear makeup like foundation style makeup or concealer, they thought that they just have to. They've actually been so happy going away from it and going away from cleansing their skin with harsh cleansers because I don't ever use cleansers to cleanse my skin. I just use oil, like coconut oil. I do oil cleansing. So I only put oil on my face and my face has never been clearer and less um, blemishy. So that's my skincare secret, I guess. Um, Okay, this is so fun. I hope you, you all are enjoying this. J.M. Osborne says, what's your favorite quick dinner for busy nights? Oh my gosh. Well, it depends. I Lately, as I've gotten a little bit older, I find myself just wanting simpler, 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 simpler. I want like, my favorite dinner is quinoa and like steamed vegetables. That's just amazing for me. And if I can put my Breeze Magic, Magical Good on Everything sauce on it, that's even better, which is a blend of... Basically, I don't have measurements here off the top of my head, but basically you take some tahini and some nutritional yeast and garlic, like a whole clove of garlic, olive oil, miso or and or Bragg's liquid aminos, and lemon juice. And you blend it all together, and it is literally like nectar of the gods to me. It is so delicious. It's got all those umami flavors that are so, so fabulous between the the Bragg's liquid aminos or the miso, whatever you choose, and the uh, the nutritional yeast and like all of these deep flavors and the tahini. Oh my gosh, it's just so good. And the fresh garlic. Oh, so I blend it all together and I like to drizzle that on as like a sauce. So that's my favorite dinner or just literally like a pile of like steamed sweet potatoes and broccoli and 
that sauce that I just mentioned, or even just crushed fresh garlic and some olive oil and salt. Oh, it's amazing. But my boys, my husband and son, are not so into that type of dinner. So usually for quick um, dinners for busy nights, we usually do, we have literally like a rotation of about five dinners that we go through. So taco salad night, spaghetti night, um, I don't even know what what they all are. Oh, eggs and potatoes. (laughs) We just have this really basic, pretty boring repertoire and we just go through it. So nothing too fun there, but... We do like we do like quick and easy foods and for our family dinners are always gluten free and I don't do dairy other than I do make my own ghee because I I can't tolerate casein uh, from cow products but for whatever reason after really taking care of my gut health for a long time and completely cutting out all dairy products for many many years and I've been gluten free for almost gosh going on 20 years now. It's more like 15 years, but it's going on more than 15 years, getting close to 20 years. I've been gluten-free and I've been cow dairy-free for that entire time too, except for introducing ghee back into my diet because it's clarified butter. The casein is removed from it. So I make my own ghee uh, and I also am able to tolerate goat milk and sheep milk products. So like goat cheese and sheep cheese. And I do love those. So Yeah, we eat pretty darn clean, but really basic, nothing fancy. Okay, so another one, if you had a whole day to yourself, this is from J-S-M-O-D-J-O. If you had a whole day to yourself, what kind of things would you do? Okay, so that's really, really fun. I love being alone. I love it so much. It makes me sound really awful, but I am an only child and I do love being alone. And so I would want to spend the entire morning completely by myself, which is actually what I do this. I really try to make an effort to do this when my husband and son are at work and school. Now that recently my son was able to go back, which has been quite a blessing for everybody. Not just for me, but for him too. He's so much happier back in school. And for me, I've been able to get my morning practice back. And this would be part of my whole day to myself is I would do my morning practice, which is really weird. If you could be a fly on the wall of my house, you would kind of be like freaked out because I love in the morning to do this um, routine where I tap all over my body. I tap, 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 tap. I trace my meridians. So this is something that I learned from a book called Energy Medicine by Donna Eden. But I trace all my meridians with my hands. I rub my entire body down essentially with my hands, just kind of get the blood flowing. And then I do um, this, this connecting heaven and earth where I reach one hand up to the sky and ground one, the other hand down on the ground. And then I switch sides. And then I do some meditation time. Sometimes I do chanting. Sometimes I do movement. It's quite a thing. Like, I really get into it. And <laughs> so I would definitely have that as part of my day, uh, if on a perfect day to myself. And then I would definitely be outside. I would be outside in my perfect day. It would be sunny. I would be outside in the sun and I would go on a hike 
just a quiet hike by myself. I love doing hikes where I don't have a plan. I just go and I basically go where the intuition leads me. That is to me heaven. I've done it many times and it's really one of my most blissful types of days is when I just walk with no purpose and I just make a turn when my intuition tells me to make a turn and I go straight when my intuition tells me to go straight. So I would definitely do that. And in my perfect world, it would be a warm day with sunshine and the blackberries would be ripe. And I would pick blackberries and I would just eat them, like stuff them in my mouth as I'm walking. And then I'd bring some home and I'd probably bake something. I do love baking and cooking. So I'd cook something. And then at some point, I would definitely have a glass of wine with my husband outside on the deck and we would just talk and then we'd probably have some kind of family dinner with my son and just have some talking and go to bed like so simple i am a very simple person and i love outdoors i love sunshine and i love wine (laughs) and i love my family so yeah that would be my perfect day um Allie Leachman says any specific diet you follow or recommend especially postpartum so I am a big proponent of bioindividuality which is meaning that everybody has their own their own blueprint of what is going to work best for them so while for me a gluten-free diet is essential I also do really really poorly with sugar now that being said I eat dark chocolate every single day at like 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning. Every single day. Every absolute single day dark chocolate. So I do have sugar then, but I always get uh, like 81 or 85% dark chocolate. So really, really dark. If I have more sugar than that in my life, it really messes with my system. It makes me bloated. It makes me feel... um, It makes me not feel good. So I would recommend noticing what your body's signals are. Like for me, gluten made me extremely sick, extremely emotional, extremely moody. Uh, And then I got testing done that I discovered I was not absorbing any of my nutrients because my gut health was so impaired and I had, you know, the genes for, for celiac and apparently they were activated. So I definitely recommend finding out what foods you're sensitive to, if any, and then cutting them out. So for me, gluten for sure. Sugar does not do well with me, white sugar. And then beyond that, it's just clean. It's just clean eating. Eliminating the processed foods as much as possible. If it came from a box or a package, just make sure there's like one ingredient or a couple ingredients. And when you don't abide by that rule, don't make it a big thing. Have fun with it and enjoy it. It's just don't make that the mainstays of your diet. So I absolutely eat processed foods now and then. I absolutely eat chips and, um, you know, like just random things that are totally not healthy. But basically the idea is if you're going to go away from that clean, unprocessed eating, which is basically vegetables, fruits, for me, fruits work. Um, I know some people have like a need to be on a a low FODMAP diet or or have a fructose intolerance so fruits aren't so good. But for me, I do vegetables, fruits, I do proteins, uh, I do eggs, and I I do eat meat, I eat fish, I eat nuts, I eat gluten-free grains, but I try to limit my quantities of grains and legumes. I try to not eat too many because they make me irritated in the gut. So I really try to follow kind of more of a paleo-style diet and mostly plants really, really heavy on the plants. But when I have something that's away from that, I do not beat myself up. So 
that's my recommendation. And I will say that for postpartum, especially, I mean, be sure you're getting your healthy fats, be sure you're getting enough food, not just going for the quick sources of energy, like the sugary things, but getting the deep nutrition, the dense nutrition, the healthy fats, the proteins. Um, I do recommend collagen uh, peptides. Now they're, they're, it's kind of controversial whether or not the, there's evidence to support them, but there is some evidence to support hair growth, nail growth, muscular uh, health, joint health, etc. And I think that it's very helpful as far as tissue repair and healing for new moms. And it is safe if you take you know the recommended dosage. I wouldn't go overboard with collagen um, peptides, but you could add them to smoothies or whatever, you know. You can also, of course, make your own bone broth and that kind of thing too. So again, I know that if you're a vegan, you're not going to be wanting to eat that way. But for me, that's what works. And I do think that's really helpful for moms that are open to it who are newly postpartum. You know, food is such a personal thing. And it's one of those things where all I can say is just eat clean. Eat clean, move every day, shine brighter, right? (laughs) Because eating clean is going to look different to everyone as far as whether or not it contains meat or not, whether or not it contains things like collagen or not. But the main thing that we can all agree on is that fruits and vegetables are freaking awesome. So go for fruits and vegetables. And then beyond that, just make sure it's clean and unprocessed and make sure you're getting that dense nutrition, the healthy fats and the, the protein. Okay, so there's more questions. This is from Cray Casey. I <laughs> love that name. What is your kitty's name? Oh, thanks for asking about my cat. My cat is like the love of my life. She's a black cat. She's actually a Savannah cat. If anyone's familiar with a Savannah, she's an F3. So meaning you can't even, you can, for her, she's a, um, a melanic Savannah as well. So she's black. You can't actually see the spots that she has unless you look at her in the sunlight in a certain way and then she's got these beautiful like leopard spot looking things that savannah cats typically are known for but she definitely is a savannah in every sense of the word she's very much a bit of a wild cat and she is named storm so i she wasn't our we didn't get her as a kitten we actually got her as a a cast off somebody wanted to get rid of her because she was having some behavioral problems in her new home when they brought additional kittens into the house and we said we would take her because we well I wanted a cat and I wanted one that I wasn't allergic to and I am pretty allergic to cats I'd been and visited a couple other cats that were for sale or for giving away because I knew I wanted a cat in my life again but I would literally go to other cats and I would touch them for a moment and my face would itch my head would itch everything would itch so I was like oh I guess I can't do this But then somebody told me about Storm, my cat, and we went to her and the people that were giving her away were just shocked when not only did, first of all, I saw her and fell in love. She has a little white heart of fur on her chest. It's so sweet. And so I saw that and was like, oh my gosh, so cool. And they showed me her spots in the sunlight. I was like, so cool. But she runs away. She she would never be held by anybody, even the family. But they finally were able to catch her and they brought her over to me and they were like, good luck with this, you know. But this little girl settled down into my lap like a little, I don't know, like a little baby. And she just cuddled in my lap and I was I was in love. I knew she was mine. And 
zero itching, zero problems there. And I have not ever had an, an issue with her as far as allergies since. So um, yeah, it's been four years, I believe, that we've had her and she's just literally the light of my life. I love this cat. Um, not more than I love my child, but you know, they're, they're pretty close together. <laughs> so she's definitely part of the family. Okay, speaking of kids, Trish T129 says, Did you stop with one kid because of prolapse symptoms? I'm scared to have a second, but want another. Oh my gosh, that, first of all, my heart goes out to you. Um, I stopped with one kid because I always, well, I am an only child, and I had always said, my husband and I both had always said, We want one or none. And I've always been pretty, very independent and very firm in just not wanting a big family just for just for me I have nothing against big families but for me it just wasn't something that I wanted and so we ended up having um getting pregnant actually right away we'd planned on it taking longer and it didn't and we were very happy of course about it and we had our son and we decided to be done after him and we have not regretted that decision at all but it's such a personal decision and it's something that again we went into it knowing that we wanted just one so if you want another child please know that you absolutely have a, a huge huge ability to be successful with having another baby first of all of course you know your fertility is not impacted by your prolapse unless you stop having sex like that will definitely impact your fertility if you're not having sex anymore but the prolapse itself isn't going to make you less fertile. It's just a matter of, you know, you probably are concerned that your symptoms are going to get worse. And I've actually known many people who've had very successful second pregnancies after prolapse and their symptoms have not gotten worse at all. So I do have a YouTube video about this. It's, I think, literally called Second Pregnancy After Prolapse. And there's just some advice that I give in that. And it's something we also talk about in my Fem Squad community a lot too, which is part of my LIFT program if you are interested in that. Okay, and then I have another couple questions about why did we move to Germany? So I've already answered that one. Um, Laura May twelve twelve says, "What do you like to do for fun? I love to go to health food stores. Like I love going to the local uh, co ops and cute little grocery stores and whatever. Just just different types of food stores wherever I visit. Kind of a weird thing. I love to cook. I love to dance by myself." <laughs> I love to sing by myself, but here's a fun fact about me. I am totally petrified of singing in front of people. Like it's my biggest phobia is singing in front of people. But when I'm alone, I love to sing and dance and just like do weird things and cook. And I love to get massages and I love to travel. Um, my family and I definitely like to travel, but it's been a while since we've been able to do that. And other than that, it's just anything outdoors I love to do. Biking, hiking, walking, whatever. Okay, so what was the... This is from You Transformed, my soul bro, Michael. Shout out to you if you happen to be listening. Um, he says, what was the hardest decision you ever made? Whew, that is a really great question. It's funny, I haven't actually prepared for these questions. I saw that Michael had asked this, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to think about that. And then I didn't think about it, and now here I am. Wow, I had to stop and think about that one for a little while. 
I really did. I actually had to, I had to pause the recording and think about that. And I still don't know if I have a great answer, but basically I feel like a lot of my decisions have just come almost as if by magic. Like the decision to move to Germany, I mean, yeah, we, we decided to take the offer, but that really wasn't a hard decision. It was not hard at all. It was like, yes, we want it. We want to move to Germany. And then it was just a mad dash of making that move happen from there. And that decision involved lots of, it was kind of like a snowball that involved, you know, decisions about career and and all of that. And I ended up just following the breadcrumbs as far as developing my new career, which is more of an online kind of a wellness space career rather than clinical physical therapy, which is what I was doing before. Um, So, so much of my life has just been kind of like magically following the breadcrumbs as things unfold. But I would say a big decision that I remember struggling and struggling and struggling about when I was um, younger was both of my decisions about about where to go to college, particularly where to go to graduate school and I for PT, for physical therapy. And so I, I did kind of struggle with decision of where to go to undergraduate school, but at the same time, I let myself be led by where my friends were going, where my best friend was going. So my best friend and I went to college together and we started together. We were roommates our freshman year. And so that was just sort of like handed to me, I guess, you know, it worked out. But then where to go to college, graduate school for physical therapy was a big, big decision. And I remember it was a really tough decision because I needed to decide where to go to school. I knew that I wanted to be close. I knew that I wanted a fresh start, but I also knew that I was a little bit too scared to go anywhere else besides close to home. And so I ended up deciding to stay close to home and to not spread my wings and fly. So in a way that was, I don't know, I don't regret it. I don't regret the decision of where I went to graduate school. I had a great graduate school experience in Forest Grove, Oregon. So my whole life was pretty much Oregon. But I do think that I know it was a decision that I really poured over and and just wondered, where do I go? Do I go out of state or do I stay home? Do I go out of state or do I stay home? And in the end, like it all worked out perfectly because if I hadn't stayed home, then it wouldn't have fallen into place that I would have met, you know, my husband who I'm, I did actually, my husband, here's a fun fast fact. My husband was my first boyfriend in uh, seventh or excuse me, eighth grade. He was my first boyfriend. So it's not like I met him for the first time, but we re got together. Essentially, we reconnected, rekindled the flame um, when I was in graduate school. So if I hadn't stayed home in Oregon, then I wouldn't have gotten together with my husband and life would have turned out very differently. You know, who knows? It's like that Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Sliding Doors, where you don't know like what the path would have been if you would have taken a different route. But um, it was really the decision of being scared. Honestly, I was scared to spread my wings. I was scared to go somewhere new and I felt like I didn't want to disappoint my family. I didn't want to leave them. I didn't want to disappoint the, you know, the boyfriend that was... (laughs) you know, at home (laughs) and I didn't want to disappoint them. I didn't want to make them mad. Like I didn't want any of these things to happen. And so because of that, I stayed in Oregon and ultimately I'm glad I did, even though it was maybe not for the right reasons, those were my reasons and they created the pathway of life and the way it unfolded for me. That is my life now. And ultimately I'm glad for it. Okay. Next one is from Curry Jill. 
underscore Jill. She says, wondering about the ways in which you stay positive. And then she says, for example, little cups, little examples, cup of tea or etc. That's a great question. So I, first of all, want to say I am not always positive at all. And the big thing that helps me is, first of all, I let myself have a pity party. I just let myself be not positive sometimes. Um, well, lots of times. And I've also really gotten into understanding my cycle, my menstrual cycle, and understanding the impact that it does have on my mood and not using it as an excuse, but using it as some grace. So that's a really big thing for me is giving myself grace when I'm feeling crappy is I realize, okay, well, part of it could actually be my phase of the cycle. So I let myself have a little pity party. And then I usually lay down on my back with my hips up and just void. I call it voiding, where I literally do nothing for like three minutes. It doesn't have to take long, but I just lay there doing nothing. And that usually surprisingly makes me feel better if I do some deep breathing and um, and just just kind of get out of my head for a moment. But for me, I've been meditating for a long time. So for some people that might be really triggering to sit in silence for a while. But for me, it's actually like home. It's like coming home. So that works for me is just kind of allowing myself to feel the emotions and then to just shut down and do nothing for a little bit. I try not to power through. When I'm really feeling bad, I try not to power through. Sometimes I do, but I notice when I like, let's say I put out a social media post or something like that, it never turns out good. I usually feel bad about it, like second guess myself. Did I sound stupid? I shouldn't have said that. Like weird things like that, or I get no response or whatever. When I force myself to power through when I'm feeling like crud. So lately, I've been getting a lot better at just allowing the feeling to be there if I'm not positive, and then taking a moment to just be and come back to home. And then usually if I put on music instead of a podcast, definitely stop scrolling. If I'm scrolling, that will keep me in this cycle loop of bad feelings. To be honest with you, I don't do well scrolling on social media. I got to get off. I got to put on some music. I've got to get outside, go for a walk, move my body in some way. After I do that moment of just honoring the feeling, laying there and breathing for a minute and then choosing a new path. So choosing the new path for me, which is usually moving my body and putting on some music, something to just perk perk up my mood. Um, yeah, for I love tea. I love tea. I love little treats like tea. I love a little square of, ch- of chocolate. But for me, I'd say movement is always my go-to. Okay, so the next question is from Basma Amin. Says, thank you for being helpful. I want to know how did you deal with SIBO? So small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And that is something that honestly, I, I probably still have some SIBO. To be perfectly honest with you, I went to a very, very in-depth, comprehensive naturopathic doctor in Portland and got the entire workup done. She was astounded by my level of SIBO, like I had it really bad. <laughs> and she gave me this whole regimen of vitamins and things. I, I remember, you know, so many herbs and natural remedies and supplements to take and uh, told me to change my diet to a low FODMAPS diet when I was also gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, soy-free. Some of these things are FODMAPS anyway, but she basically wanted me to make my diet even more restrictive than it already was because I was already doing basically like a paleo diet. But making that 
even more restrictive, plus all the supplements. I spent thousands of dollars buying the supplements and buying all the things and whatever that I needed to do. And to be honest with you, I didn't follow it. I totally fell off that wagon. And I did it in a way where I actually didn't feel bad about it. I ended up saying, to be honest with you, I'm not going to say an expletive, but F this. I, I can't do it. And I know this is not good medical advice, so don't follow my advice. But what I did and what worked for me is to just get happy. I just decided I'm I'm fine. <laughs> I decided to not worry so much and to not stress so much because I knew that my mindset, which was so obsessed with my bloating and the, the discomforts that I was having in my gut, were really impacting they were impacting the SIBO, you know, they were making it worse. And so I made my mind focus be to help myself poop every day. So I was really had constipation issues and I wanted to find a regimen that would really work for making that happen. And I found things, several things that really, really helped me. And I just made it a non-negotiable, a priority that I have to have my morning time (laughs) has to involve helping me go to the bathroom. And then from there, I really, I didn't take any of the supplements I was supposed to take. I didn't. And that's, again, do not follow this medical advice. It's just what I did. I stopped taking the supplements and I went ahead and just ate what I normally ate anyway. I I ate more of the paleo style diet. I didn't add in all of the other restrictions that I, I was asked to do. And over time and just overthinking about it less and less and less and stopping the obsession about it my symptoms improved. Uh, and, and again, prioritizing my elimination every morning and just making it something that really was a non-negotiable that I took, I did what I needed to do to make myself go was very, very helpful as well. So <laughs> Ash Albright says, what grade of prolapse did you have and reverse and how long did it take you to reverse it? So I had about a grade between a one to two. So it was mild prolapse, bladder prolapse after my son. And it took me about three to six months to really reverse it. And I was completely symptom-free for many, many, for 13 years, essentially, because I got it right after my son. And I actually recently, this last year, experienced a bit of a flare. And guess why? Because I was stressed. And so I had all of this pelvic tension, and I can go into this more. I've gone into it a little bit in other episodes, but if anyone's interested, I could go into it more. But I was having a lot of pelvic tension, pain um, during sex, irritation in the vaginal area, just a feeling of achingness and heaviness and like not really a, not a dragging, but just this achingness in my perineum and touching the area, it was like I had a knot of tension, like a, like a, literally like a knot you'd have in your shoulders was in my pelvic floor, in my perineum, the area between the vagina and the anus. And that was aggravating all of my prolapse symptoms again. And so what I did is I was able to actually completely relieve that by, first of all, finishing up some work projects that were heavy on my brain, and then also really returning back to my meditation and yoga practice. So it's, it's possible to help you guys. It's, it's so possible if you have prolapse to help um, with your symptoms and you don't have to lose hope. Please, please, please. Okay. So, and then my go-to practice when symptoms flare is always hips up. Hips up on pillows, 100%. Yeah. So I think that's all of the questions that I got. I, uh... <laughs> I, I wrote down some random things about me thinking that nobody would ask questions because I was 
I actually, it was like crickets when I first put out this post asking if people had questions for me, like nobody responded (laughs) for a little bit. And I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. No one cares. Why did I write this? Nobody has any questions about me. So I, I wrote down some things about myself that were just kind of funny in case I had to just do an episode where I just talked. So here are just a couple more quick little things about me that you might find interesting or amusing. Um, my biggest dream is to move back to uh, closer to my family and to have an investment property that would double as a retreat location. Oh my gosh, right? I, I don't even, this is a dream. I have no idea how this would ever work, but I could host retreats there for you all, people who are in my community. Oh, it would be so amazing. So that's what I would love to do. Um, I think my favorite vacation ever was when I went to Thailand and I just remember riding the the little scooter motorcycles all around the island and just feeling so free. My nickname was Muff growing up. Yes, Muff, which I know people in different parts of the world may not, it may, may mean different things in different parts of the world, but Muff, you know, can refer to pubic hair for sure. <laughs> My mom called me Muff because it was short for like Muffino or Muffalito. She had all these different ways of calling me Muff, but Muff is what she shortened it to. And once when I was in seventh grade, my mother worked in the school that I went to and she called down the hall, Muff. And I was standing right by this boy I had a huge crush on and it was such a thing. So yeah, um, The other thing is I have a pet peeve, which is loud chewing. Does anyone else have that pet peeve? Loud chewing. Really, really loud chewing. I really, really don't like that. It's actually a thing. I think that's like a diagnosable thing where you can have an aversion to loud chewing and it has a name, but I don't remember what it is. And the last thing I wrote down was that um, I have a weakness for tattoos and men who sing really close to the microphone. Like music videos where men sing really close to the microphone. I love that. So that's it. (laughs) Okay. So basically, that was stuff about me. Maybe some of it you cared about. Maybe you didn't. If you're still listening, then you probably cared at least a little bit. I do have to laugh because I asked if people wanted to hear personal stuff about me. This is on Instagram. If people wanted to hear personal stuff about me or or not, if they wanted to keep the podcast really informational. And 96% of you said you wanted to hear some personal things, but 4% said no, they didn't want to hear personal things. (laughs) And it did make me laugh a little bit. I was like, oh, well, sorry. I guess those people don't have to listen to this one. Um, But the main idea that I want you to take from this is not just knowing random things about me, but to realize that there's so much more to me than talking about pelvic health. I mean, that definitely came into today's conversation, but we talked about all sorts of other things. My old nickname, my going to nursing school, my yoga, like all of these other things in my life, the way I eat, you know, all of these things are outside of the pelvic floor, outside of pelvic health, outside of dealing with that part of the body, which is such an important thing to deal with. If you have an issue, of course we want to deal with it, but we also want 
to think outside of it. So, you know, I am really actually actively trying to find some new hobbies. Like one hobby that I am developing with my son is we have a little greenhouse. And so we're, you know, thinking about our garden and the things we want to garden in there. And I really think it's important for everybody, especially if you have a health condition that's a chronic health condition and something you're actively working on and addressing, but you need to think beyond that too and think about life outside of your pelvic floor because there's more to you, so much more to you. And even, even if, even if your condition never got better, I'm just going to go there for a minute, like the scariest place ever, even if things didn't get better, if they did not get better, which by the way, things can always get better, but even if they didn't get better, you would still be the most amazing person with the most incredible gifts and talents and cool things about you and cool stories from your past and also cool stories that are still going to happen to you, cool things that you can do, cool things you can explore and learn about and grow into and try and, um, you know, teach people about like, Think about you. What is something, one of my favorite questions is, what is something that you could stand up and teach an entire like 45-minute lecture on with no preparation in advance? Think about that. I bet you have something. You don't have to do this. You don't have to stand up and teach a lecture. I'm just saying there's something about you that you know, that you're passionate about, that you could teach on that makes you special and unique. And it's probably not related to your pelvic floor. So always remember, if you have a health issue, what is the you beyond your pelvic floor? What do you want? What do you love? What do you want to do more of? What do you want to start? What do you want to stop? What do you want to wind down so you can make room for something new? So that's what this is ultimately about, is it's not just about me. It's about you too. Who's the you beyond your pelvic floor? So just know that I am out here vibrating for you, thinking about you. Even if we never actually talk in person, I am legit feeling you right now with every cell in my body. And I'm giving you the the courage and the, the blessing and the inspiration, hopefully, to think about what you want. What do you love? Who are you? I want you to think about that. And I want you to develop that. And I want you to keep that close to your heart for the rest of the day is think about that stuff, not your pelvic floor. You know, you want to live life safely for your pelvic floor and you want to do the things you need to do for your pelvic floor physical therapy or your lift program if you're in my lift program or whatever. You want to stay active and live your healthy life. But what else is there beyond that part of you? Okay, so I'll leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening to this very long podcast. And we'll be back next week with another fantastic interview. Let me know if you like doing these more Q&A style things, whether, you know, certainly doesn't always have to be about me, but we can do some more Q&A episodes in the future if you would like. Um, Because I have so many great people to interview, but I do also want to remember the very, very important factor of why I started this podcast was as a creative expression for myself and also as a way to develop relationships for you to understand me and for me to understand you. So it's not just about information and facts and advice and all that. It's about relationships and people. It's about people. I've always been fascinated with people. So let's keep it to that, not just pelvic floor factoids. Okay? All right. (laughs) Hope you liked this. We'll see you next time. And check the show notes if you want to learn more ways that we can connect. Have a great day.
Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast was helpful for you today, please share it with a friend. Tell them you know, what you learned and how it's going to be helpful and amazing for them to talk about this stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and also check the show notes for all the links you need, including how to follow me on Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit. We'll see you next time.